4: Doctor,
0: look. Stand aside, nurse. I'm Doctor Homebrew. Stand clear. Oh. What's
1: going on, everybody? Wow. <laughs> I almost like, went into my uh, my ears up by uh, Disney podcast com. Uh, I almost went into that spiel for some start some. over. No, I'm not starting over. I'm <laughs> keeping it in. It's a good plug, man. What are you talking about? Uh, listen, if you like uh, <laughs> Disney history, go to ears up podcast and uh, listen to me and, uh, you know, it'll be, be be cool like everybody else does. But no, this is not Ears Up. This is Dr. Homebrew, and we are back judging another beer from Homebrewer Jake. Jake, welcome to the show, my dude. Thanks, man. How's it going? Yeah, it's going all right, man. It's going all right. I'm sort of coming off the uh, the interview you did with Julia from the American Homebrew Association. That was a lot of fun, man. That was really awesome. And if Cooper
4: had told me I was going to follow her, I wouldn't have <laughs> dared Yeah, what,
1: what the my fuck help. do you have Uh-oh. to say? Yeah. <laughs> It's almost like, like we're we're like oh we're gonna give some information and now we're just gonna talk beer again. But that's yeah what I right. Do, so it's fine. Yeah. yeah. Uh, no, that was really great. And uh, you know I I go yeah. out um, at the break to get to get your beers and my wife goes. that sounds like you were actually ha- having a lot of fun. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like yeah well I was. It was it was interesting. It was a good time. So if you haven't heard that by the way, everybody go go check that out. It was the last episode we just did. It was awesome. It was a lot of fun. We got to have Julia back on. That was great. But before we get to Jake's beer. I'm sure. Look, I'm sure Jake has a lot of fun, too. OK, I'm not trying to say he's not fun but, continues. Yeah, exactly. I want to thank our sponsor, Five Star Chemicals. You go to five right now and learn about the best ways to clean and sanitize your home brewing equipment, which is, of course, star sand. Of course, it's PBW and it's the other products they have, too. And they have various iterations of PBW and star sand now, too. It's like PBW liquid PBW or uh, PBW uh, tablets, that kind of stuff. Check them out. Sign up for their Homebrew Club program. It's totally free. You get tips and tricks. You get a little discount. Maybe you get a little bit of uh, free swag. You never know over there. Five Star, they'll hook you up. So check them out. FiveStarChemicals.com I see I'm out of breath again, man. I, I don't know. I, I I don't know what it is, man, but I I, I futzed with my settings over the weekend and um, I, I hate the way I sound right
3: now. I thought I'd tell you that. I thought I'd tell you all that right now. Yeah, I think you sound sound pretty good, but the moral of the story is don't futz with your settings.
1: Well, I mean, unless they sucked like mine, but... Yeah. I don't know. And I'm drinking a brown ale I made a couple months ago. Yeah, it looks pretty good. But I, <laughs> I think I I think I have... I think I'm getting some sort of contaminant or something in my beer because like the, the tail end of that Mexican lager, it's kind of a tartness going on. And this brown ale, hmm. kind of a tartness now too. So I, I don't know hmm. what's up.
3: Have you been using PBW? Taken apart your ball valves and using PBW?
1: I've not taken apart my ball valves, but I have been using PBW, of course, in Star's hand because that's, that's.
3: You should that's be it. taking apart your ball valves and using some yeah, PBW on I there know. because See, you the might thing. have some lactic kind of hiding in those valves.
1: I, I should. I mean, I take apart like my fer- my fermenter and stuff, but coming out of the coming out of the bruzilla, I don't, and I probably should do that.
3: Eh, that one's I don't know to me that's never as important because it's probably coming out well, what temperature is it coming out your Brazil? Is it coming out boiling or is it already chilled? No, it's already chilled. Mm. Yeah, yeah, you chill, probably want to
1: chill in the thing. It's a one vessel.
3: Yeah, thing. that's what I thought. You probably want to take that apart, not necessarily every time, but maybe every other or third time.
1: Yeah, I know. I
2: just don't, uh, wanna, I don't know. I just, You come you over. Change
1: out,
3: it. yeah. Any plastic <laughs> any plastic
2: transfer equipment, I would just nothing. It, yeah, get rid of the plastic. Yeah. And change that out first. It's so, always a good culprit.
3: I don't know. Like, like to me, that the Bruzilla is going to heat up to boiling, and if that valve is also going to heat up to boiling or boiling ish, at the same time, to me, that's. I mean, this is just my my opinion. It's it's not quite as important to take it apart every time, uh, but it it still helps to take it apart from time to time. It d- does yeah. not hurt oh, at agree. all.
1: Man, I remember on the, uh, the, my 10 gallon more beer system that I had that Terrence now has, that he still never has used, <laughs> and he still has it and he just won't bring it over. I don't know why. Um, I took, I, the first time I took the ball valve, apart of that, it was like a year into brewing and I was brewing like, you know, twice a month or whatever at that point. And there was a chunk, there was a knot of mold. And you know how, like when mold kind of builds up and builds up, it gets hard yeah. It's like hard mold, and I'm like, oh, fuck, dude, this sucks. Um, yeah, and there you go, and I've never done it since. Anyway, it yes. doesn't matter. Jake, welcome to the show, my guy, again, my guy. What's up? What, uh, what beer did you send us? What are we doing here? What's going on? We got two beers. Are we doing two beers today? Um, that's up to you. Um, Cooper, tell me. Remind we're, me. We're doing uh, his, his
2: American Pale Ale
1: today. Okay, got it. Perfect. Yeah, so I sent you an American Pale Ale. Nice. I love that. I love being so on the ball that I know exactly what's going on in my own show. That's why Cooper is so good.
0: (laughs) So
3: you said somebody, Somebody, someone knows.
1: Right. Yeah. Uh, Is this something you've done before?
4: Yeah, this is maybe my sixth iteration of it. Just been working on it,
1: tweaking it each time, trying to. That's not an easy style to to master. It, It feels like it because it's such a, you know, easy grain build, but. American pale ale. There's a lot of high bars being uh, that have been set in that style.
4: Yeah, for sure. And then there's also so much variation too, you know, like it could, you can go so many different directions. It's hard to know what the Bryans are going to want.
3: We're fickle. We might sacrifice. want different stuff day to day. You know, we don't know.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, like you got you got this. So you got Sierra Nevada, which I think is the high bar, but it's such a wildly different style than what a lot of people are making and calling pale ale these days. So yeah, you're right that that spectrum is so huge for this for this one style that I I think I think guys, correct me if I'm wrong, real fast, but I wonder if pale ale, American pale ale, is sort of like has the most leeway in most styles uh, comparatively. Like IPA can sort of be have like a lot of leeway, but not really. I feel like American pale ale can be, you know, kind of on the amber side. It could be higher alcohol or it could be lower alcohol. It could be kind of pale and, you know, variations of bitterness. But I, I, I think a lot of other styles, you're both looking at me like I'm like, you're wrong. No, I'm, that, uh, yeah.
3: no, I'm, I'm thinking about it. I've always thought Saison was maybe the most malleable, but really, I think you have, you had a good what point you, because well, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, I could, di- I could digress, but I'm not going to for once. Uh, but you're right. Pale ale can go, you know, it has a range of colors, a range of bitterness, a range of hop flavor. It can go from almost a a, a red ale to, uh, I mean, in some ways, I love that North Coast uh, red ale, uh, oh, the yeah, the red the, Seal. the Red Seal. Yeah. Red Seal's amazing. In, in some ways, you could almost jam that into like the interface between a pale ale and an IPA, and you could maybe enter that as a pale ale and. You might get a a little bit of a, a side eye, but no one's gonna kick it out of the category. Uh, and go all the way to like Sierra Nevada, which is malty and dark. You go to like this actually reminds me of New Dogtown from Lagunitas, the classic old one. Remember, we tried to brew that on BYOB TV? Mm-hmm, uh mm-hmm. the classic the classic, you know, they haven't made it for 10 years, but the malt profile that reminds me a little bit of New Dogtown. It's kind of the the Color is similar uh to like modern pale ales, which can be, you know, almost hazy. Uh or they can be hazy. I mean, I've had hazy pale ale, which is like a, a hazy IPA. So I you're not I don't think you're wrong, JP. There there's a lot Good. of territory you can cover on this on this style.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So it's gotta be hard. But you did it and you sent it to us, and I appreciate that.
3: Yeah. Um, all right.
1: Well, you know what, Cooper, why don't you start us off again? Why not?
2: Okay. Let's go two for
1: two or something. Um, all right. Yeah. So
2: for various reasons, we got we got two bottles of it and we didn't really get to prejudge it. So I just opened the second bottle, but I've got the first one here too, just for fun. And um, the second one smells and tastes very, very much the same to me as the first one. I'll just say that right now, but uh, had a good fill, light hiss upon opening, uh, medium hop note up front, pleasant and fresh with the citrusy uh, elements kind of dominating there. Uh, a little light resin and faint spice. The hop is kind of, you know, it's it's upfront, but it's a little bit muted. Um, it's a, you get a clean, bready, yet complex enough malt that it's not just base malt and nothing else. It seems like there's some, some other flavor malts in here giving it something interesting. A little bready and maybe a little light toast in there. Uh, not getting any DMS or diastole. Low fruity esters, just light overall and pretty inviting. Uh, Seems like a a clean ale. I'm not not getting anything really off in here in the nose. Um, Appearance-wise, and we did, full disclosure, we did transfer these beers to each other yesterday. So um, any haze could be coincidental, but it's an orangey kind of medium light amber color, Uh, a bit of haze has a finely formed head of eggshell white bubbles, creamy, mostly finer foam stand, uh, and it is fairly persistent. It's it's sticking around for pretty well and clinging to the sides of the glass. <clears throat> then in the flavor, I'm getting a, a pleasant balance between the malts and um, uh, the hops here. The hops are just a sort of enough kind of medium, uh, citrusy, and a Touch of some other things in there. It's not not so resonant to me now, but if I had to grab at something else. It's mostly that citrusy fruit and a little bit of spice or resin in there. Uh, base malt with a bit of bread crust like complexity. Medium low. Uh, seems like a cleanly fermented ale. The bitterness is medium low. Not really challenging anything too much there. I would say it's balanced slightly to the hop. Uh, it's not super multi beer, but it's not. One of those really over-the-top hoppy pale ale, maybe leaning more towards the the classic, older, like 90s version of the style than it is to like some of these newer pale ales that are IPAs in disguise. The hops linger in the aftertaste just a bit. There's no DMS or diacetyl uh, or acetaldehyde going on here. So I give it pretty high marks for for flavor. Uh, Mouthfeel wise it's got a, a pretty firm kind of medium to medium-high carbonation in that range Uh, no warmth not not very creamy no astringency or biting quality Uh, just kind of a medium light bodied beer pretty refreshing Uh, you know pretty nice mouthfeel there it's nice that too that the beer is not too uh, watery it has some substance to it Um, even though it's you know medium light bodied it's not wimpy wimpy Uh, anyway uh, overall impression hits all the right marks you know, for the most part, for an American pale ale. And it's a fairly well brewed classic type, uh, you know, maybe marketing to, uh, you know, something like a Sierra Nevada. Um, but, you know, Sierra Nevada, when you get it fresh, especially it's going to be a lot um, hoppier in the nose, the aroma, and in the flavor hops uh, than this one is coming across. I would just want a little more of that fresh hop aroma. It's just a, coming across a bit muted here, but still very pleasant to drink, really refreshing, smooth, clean, and refreshing. Um, but yeah, with your pale, it's just, you don't want to allow them to age too much. Um, not getting any oxidation really, uh, but you can also add a little more late hops to, to get it to stick around a little bit better, even if you have to, I mean, maybe this is super fresh. I'm not sure, but um, it's just a little muted overall, but kind of kind of in the territory of Sierra Nevada like and I don't know if you're trying to clone any specific beer I'd love to talk about the inspiration for it but uh, I landed on a on a 36 for this beer it's in very good uh, territory generally meeting style parameters kind of not really any flaws but I would say just kind of balance wise I would like that hop to come up a little bit more primarily uh, to to fully fit even like the classic version of this the style from the you know, this is one of the earliest uh, craft beers that was out there that, you know, helped people discover beer. It tasted an American pale ale. I was like, wow, you know, back in the 90s, this was something shocking to people. This was, this was not going <laughs> to shock anybody necessarily, but it's real smooth and easy to drink. And I, I appreciate it for what it is. So thank you for yeah. sharing.
1: I don't want it to. Sh- I don't want my beer to shock me anymore. No. You know, it's not 2001 anymore. Right. I want my beer to be enjoyable. The IBU oh, wars are over. It. Yeah. My God, yeah. Mm. Did we win or lose that? I can't remember. Oh, we lost. <laughs> okay, that's fair. <laughs> I don't know. I feel like we won with the rise of like Pilsners again. I feel like yeah. maybe we've we've won, but maybe yeah, well, it's the war they, that they, will never end. That mindset lost. Okay, yeah. yeah, there you go. Don't tell them that though. Cooper Shar, uh, go ahead. Cooper, why don't you go ahead and go again? Why don't you <laughs> okay. Well, yeah. no, let's i we. be too.
2: <laughs> yeah B2, let's go
3: <laughs> okay so uh jake i have to ask you the question uh i forgot to ask uh, julia in the last show uh to my my chagrin uh but you probably know what's coming uh, are you in a homebrew club
4: yeah i am um just recently joined one actually um the louder day brewers in salt lake <laughs> <laughs>
3: that's very funny it's very. Oh God! That's your, very your club wins. That is the uh, that maybe the best name I've ever heard of. Do you guys have, have a home to club?
1: wear magical underwear while you brew? That's the question. <laughs> I think That's a really
4: good idea. Um, a couple of my neighbors have a pair. I could borrow.
3: Okay. I don't know. <laughs> well, I mean, I, you probably wouldn't want to be nude because there's like fl- flames and hot liquids and stuff. No. So having a little extra protection, you know, some kind of extra magic underwear cannot hurt you when right. you're around like hot liquids and flame. So no, that that's really cool. So congratulations. Uh, 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 hi to all the Lauder day brewers uh, and uh, have have your club mates uh, send some beer to us. So I really enjoyed this beer. Like I was saying earlier, this reminds me a little bit of the old uh, new dog town from Lagunitas Which they haven't made for a long time. You may have never had. It's got a little. I think a very similar, very similar malt profile to what I remember that beer tasting like. Of course, I probably have had it for eight years, so my memory might be imperfect. But it brings back good memories of that for me. Uh, Aroma, I get medium uh, to medium low citrus to tropical hops at an appropriate level. Low malt aroma, which I would convert that to definitely medium malt aroma as it warms up. That's one of the virtues of the show as opposed to judging in a competition. I can judge this beer two hours ago and come back to it. And it's, it's room temperature, you know, and it's, it's pleasant here. It's probably, probably 68 or something. Uh, So it's not 90, it's not boiling in, in my house, but it's had a couple hours to kind of warm up to a little more a little warmer temperature where it can release more aroma and more flavor. And sometimes if there's flaws, they'll show up, but I'm I'm not getting anything that's being amplified from an off aroma sense from the temperature. Uh, All I'm getting is more, uh, more good stuff. So the, I'd I'd say a medium malt aroma, uh, largely base malt. There's a little, I don't know if I'd call it spicy, but there's a little specialty malt in there, maybe even a hint of oat which I like, but I doubt it's really Oat because this is too clear to have an oat character to it. And I, I say Oat just because of I'm taken back to my attempts to clone New Dogtown and probably putting more Oat in there than I I should have. But uh, I, I give this 8 out of, ten, eight out of 12. The aroma is fantastic. Uh, appearance, 3 out of 3. It's crystal clear, uh, low persistent white head. This head is sat here for two hours. And here's what I have in my glass without pouring more anything into it so that's 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 a feat uh it's medium golden color again three out of three uh initially the flavor is uh turning to flavor the flavor is medium malt and i get sort of a spicy slash woody hop character which is interesting because the aroma comes across to me more a little more citrus and tropical uh and that's one of the magical things that happens in some samples. And it, it can be any style. It could be different brewers where you get an aroma that is one thing. And then the flavor has like a different hot profile or malt profile or what have you. And sometimes that's disappointing because the aroma makes a promise that the flavor doesn't keep in, in a sense. But sometimes it's just fun and, and kind of surprising to, to me, like in this one where I, I like the aroma, but I also like the flavor. It's not like the aroma was fantastic and the flavor was a letdown. And that's kind of that that promise that doesn't get kept. This is a flavor aroma that was, I think, really good, and then a a flavor that's also really good, but a little bit different than I expected from from the aroma. Uh, bitterness uh, balances in mid palate. Uh, I think it's yeah, you know, and the balance carries through all the way. You know, I I may echo Coop a little bit where I might want a little more, you know, hop character but in, in some ways. But in other ways, you know, this is not in 2023, a pale ale is kind of a baby IPA, like the style guidelines, use language, not the exact language. But, you know, it, it's it, people have kind of accepted the idea that a pale ale is somehow just a like a session IPA. Uh, but, but it's not, it's a distinct, it's a distinct style. And I think that, you know, Cooper was alluding to Sierra Nevada pale ale. This is maybe a little, uh, I'd liken it more to new dog town, but they're both in that kind of family of multi-year pale ales. Uh, maybe a little bit more bitterness would be, would be nice, but you know, I, I think it's still appropriate the way it is. It's well attenuated. The finish is long and balanced. I gave this 14 out of 20 for flavor. Mouthfeel five out of five, medium body, medium carbonation, uh, no warming, neither creamy nor astringent. Uh, overall impression gave it a seven for a total of thirty-seven out of fifty, uh, which is very good. Uh, and probably I should come out. I frankly, I'm going to I'm going to adjust on the fly and give you an excellent. I'm going to take you to thirty-eight uh, as it's warmed up. This is the live the live Ooh. updates that you only get on Doctor Homebrew. Uh, this is a really good beer. Thanks for sharing. Uh, I I'll give you a little backstory on this. Oh, that here we go. When Wake Cooper and now. I, when <laughs> when Cooper and I were discussing this beer before the show, I had opened one bottle of this and I gave it a twenty-two. It mm-hmm. was phenolic. It was muddled. It didn't taste like much of anything. Uh, and Coop was vehement that it's it's high thirties. This is you know you're you're, you're essentially essentially you're high B two what's up, and I went out to the fridge and thankfully you sent me two sent us two bottles for each of us and I opened that second bottle and I ran off to do a couple of things and two minutes later I came back and I I had poured a, a sample I smelled it and I'm like okay already and I texted Cooper already this is a much different beer than the previous one, so there was significant. And Cooper talked about opening a second bottle when when he was in in the context of him judging this. Uh, for me, there was a gigantic amount of bottle variation in these two beers, literally a 22 to a 38. Uh, and I, you know, phenol can be wild yeasts. It could be I actually got a wisp of of bleach. If you're using bleach anywhere in your process, and I doubt you are. Yeah, don't don't <laughs> list li- li- listeners. Jake, Jake is shaking his head. Listeners do not allow, do not use bleach. Don't put bleach near your process. It pits stainless steel. It, it lingers. It causes chlorophenol. It's, Oh, it's great for your laundry. Sometimes if you're trying to get those stains out of your whites, it's horrible for anything to do with brewing. Don't that's, they told us to use that stuff in 1991. Uh, They were wrong. They were wrong then they're wrong now. Uh, But you know, it, I I think that your process for your, for brewing is fantastic. Your recipe is fantastic. You you made uh, an excellent beer. I've really enjoyed the second bottle. Uh, packaging is everyone the bane of almost everyone's existence. I'm sure one or two listeners are like, I don't know. I love packaging. Packaging is the best. I don't like to brew. I just like the bottle and keg. <laughs> uh, no, uh, I because someone there's there's something that everyone likes something. So someone is like, "What are you talking about, dude? Packaging is the best. For most of us, it sucks. Uh, and bottling is the hardest part. Is like the hardest part of packaging because you have to go through individual bottles and how do you sanitize them and how do you get them ready? You know, it's it's. I don't mean to harp on it or make you sound like I'm putting you down or anything. This is more for like the listeners' benefit in general. But it's mm. if you're gonna if you're gonna bottle your beer. And if you're going to enter it in competition, which is usually why you want to bottle your beer, you know, take the time to make sure those bottles are clean and sanitized. Uh, You know, that's why you have three bottles for a competition. You have one for best to show in case you go to best to show, you have two bottles in case one comes across bad. The problem in competition is that if you get a bad bottle, uh, you don't not everyone always will go back and ask for the second bottle, right? If that, I, you're scoring someone a Chad second too. Yeah.
1: I got a bad bottle <laughs> and I got it. It's overflowing and I got to move fast. <laughs> yeah.
3: Um, yeah what, I, did you, what did you give it? Char? Sorry. I, I gave it a 38. And I'm going to stop yammering on oh, about nice. that, but it's just that pa- packaging is you just, just to remind everyone out in the audience when you're packaging for competition, yes, be sure everything's sanitary. Absolutely do that.
1: Absolutely do that. You know what? I like this beer. Before we, before we, actually, we're gonna take a break and then we're gonna and then we're gonna get into it because we've been uh, yammering for a little
2: bit. I want to know what what JP thinks of this beer too.
1: I I I like it. I do think there is. I I get like a. uh, Now I'm gonna taste it again because I was drinking my brown ale. I'm gonna pull a Brian Cooper and just mid thought, take five hours to to taste this. Um, it there is a little oniony garlic thing like a green garlic CTC um, hop kind of a thing, yeah. I guess. Yeah. I've never been really, really uh, good with, with hop names
3: was summit, like a little bit of summit, I guess. Yeah. Maybe. I don't yeah. know. Yeah.
1: Um, that's the only distracting thing f- for this. I would, the way that I enjoy pale ales it. Okay. There's a lot going on now. Actually there's, it feels like it's hopped more like an IPA. The bitterness is maybe a little too high, I would love a little, just a little bit of caramel malt, just a little bit of like crystal fifteen, just a touch, just a smidge, wave it over the kettle um just to just to just to get the body up a little bit um but I do like it. I do like this beer. I would give it a thirty eight I would give it a thirty eight uh if I had this in a bar, I'd be like, ah, I a pale ale, I don't know, it just seems kind of like a session beer, blah 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 blah, but not really um. I like it. I think there's that that garlic, the garlic thing is a little distracting to me. But that's it. I like the beer. I think it's good. Um, I'll probably finish the whole thing. So let's take a quick break. We're going to come back. We're going to hear from Jake. We're going to hear about his recipe, his method, and we're going to tell him um, whatever he wants to hear. So hang on, everyone. It's Dr. Homebrew. We'll be right back. What's up, homebrewers? Hey, let me ask you a question. You spend a lot of time making your beer taste the way you want it to, right? Some of you even send beers into Dr. Homebrew for feedback. Well, the next logical step in your creativity is to craft some labels for those beers. And there's nobody better at creative labels than Grog Tag. Their easy-to-use designs let you turn out some pretty amazing stuff like labels, bottle caps, coasters, even six-pack carriers with minimal effort on your part. They have a range of label sizes that fit any vessel you can think of. Bottles, cans, growlers, kegs. GrogTag has you covered. Head over to GrogTag.com today and check out their line of amazing, fully customizable templates and get your beer looking its best. GrogTags are water-resistant, reusable, and will have your naked bottles looking great in no time. That's GrogTag.com, and be sure to use code BNARMY at checkout to save 10% on your order.
0: I'm sorry to tell you this, but we're gonna have to pour you out.
3: Back to Doctor Homebrew.
1: What the hell? Thanks for wanting? around, everybody. Jake, tell me about this beer, man. Let's get let's let's get into it. Sorry, I just jacked up your re intro. Yeah, that's all right, man. Don't worry. I'm am I'm, I'm doing a thing now where it's all multi track, so I'll just I'll just shave it off. It'll be great. All right, cool. Yeah. All right,
4: Um, you want to go into recipe? Let's do it. Let's do recipe, man. Okay, so this is um, 50% uh, Maris Otter, 40% Barka Pilsner, uh, 8% Carapils, 8% Victory, 5 ounces. No, 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 hold on, not 8%, sorry. I'm reading ounces. 4% Carapils,
1: 4% Victory malt, 2.5%. Caramel 40. That's the grain bill. Um, Caramel 40. Okay. Yeah. Um, you wouldn't know it. Looking at this thing, you wouldn't know it.
4: There was three quarters of an ounce of Magnum at first wort, um, an ounce of Cascade, an ounce of Simcoe at 20 minutes, a half an ounce of Chinook at 10. And then in the Whirlpool, I did an ounce of Cascade, three-quarter ounce Simcoe, half ounce Chinook for a 20-minute Whirlpool. And then later, a couple of days, you know, I think seven days later, so I did a dry hop of ounce and a half Cascade, ounce and a half Simcoe, uh, fermented with WLP-001. What do you want out of this beer, Jake? So what are you looking for? uh, So I like this beer a lot, um, but the score it always gets is like a 36. And so I want to just elevate it a little, but I've just been stubbornly sticking with the same recipe because it's (laughs) my own. Yeah. (laughs) And I'm like, I'm wondering, my question for you is can I get this to like a 40 point beer? without making massive changes or do I need to change the grist change the hop schedule? Just maybe even. No, I don't think so. Over.
1: I think you can. I don't think you need to really strip it down to the studs. No, but my first impression, you guys tell me if I'm wrong. My first impression, there's too much in the malt going on. I I, I don't think you need a, a carapils. I don't think you need the victor. I really don't. I mean, maybe the victory adds a little bit of biscuity thing and and that's fine. Um, the caramel 40, I don't really think does anything. I think it's too low to, I mean, it doesn't really add any color. You could, you could tell me that this was, you know, victory and just straight two row. And I'd be, I believe you, maybe there's something in, in that the hops. I, I, my first impression was that like, maybe there's too many, you got too many spiky things pointing out, like you have Simcoe or yeah, Simcoe and cascade and whatever the fuck you had said. Um, chinook too yeah yeah chinook but thinking about how it tastes now garlic aside i kind of like it it is it is very reminiscent like uh, b2 said about uh of a laganitas sort of hop structure where you it, it's not really discernible what hop it is it's sort of they have a hop flavor i that that's my impression of their beers they're hot you can always really tell a lagunitas beer they have like just this i don't want to call it muddled but uh a blend of hops that it's sort of integrated. Yeah. Right. There you go. So I I do kind of like that. If we can, if we can get rid of that garlic thing and maybe do something different with the, with the malt a little bit, I thought, I I, I don't see why this couldn't be over 40. What do you guys think? Am I wrong?
2: So yeah, the, the points on the malt bill, I'm not sure. Yeah. What the carapills or the victory are doing for it. I think that the victory is probably giving it a little bit of that kind of classic, a little bit maltier pale ale side of things.
1: Yeah. I I think Um, it's very like nineties pale ale recipe, which I appreciate. Yeah. Yeah.
2: You could play with, uh, you could, you could try to up the the caramel 40 a little bit like JP suggesting, but I don't want it to get super caramely either. I kind of like my pale ales on the lighter side. Um, You can just stick with those base malts and a little bit of, of Munich or something, a little bit of light Munich. And and maybe that that caramel at the percentage you have it at now and see how that, that plays. But um,
3: yeah. Yeah. Um, remind, remind me again, Jake, what's the percent of the caramel and the victory? The caramel was like two and a half percent and the victory was 4%. I, I like the victory, but I can, un, I think that that's giving it the flavor. It, it, it's, it's kind of, be a little, be a little bit sticking out, like JP would say, a little, little bit pointy there. And I think I like it, but I think that might be off-putting to some judges. And I might consider dialing that back to like 2%, like with with the caramel. Uh, and that'll reduce some of the perceived... I think just doing that will reduce a lot of the perceived maltiness. Uh, and then maybe jacking up the bitterness a little bit. It'll there's a lot of
2: um, there's a lot of pill malt in here too, and I wonder if you do yeah. like a pretty long boil to make sure you get rid of that DMS precursor.
4: You know, I'm not. It's just a 60 minute boil. Okay, so I well, probably
2: am not getting any DMS in it really, but um, you're mixing a nice, you know, a complex English malt with the the pills malt, which is just light and going to tr- just probably dry it out a little bit, but give it a little bit of flavor. Um, I don't know. Yeah, that. I was looking at that blend and thinking that's not how I've ever made a pale ale. I like blending Maris Otter with, with us, you know, base, base malt sometimes at a 50, 50 kind of ratio and, and, and getting a little bit of more character, characterful maltiness from the Maris Otter. And then some just yeah. dry basic clean malt from the uh, American two row. Um, you could, I don't know. You could try two row instead of the pills if you wanted as uh, you know, and, and, you know, adjust that percentage however you want. I I personally like Maris Otter malt. It's going to do better with, um, you know, English beers. It's going to give you more malt complexity, but I think we all got a fair amount of malt complexity in this and, um, in a beer, like a pale ale to get it, JP will differ, but, but to get it out of the way of the hops and let the hops shine a little bit more, um, Light the malt up. out of the way of the hops. Are you kidding me? I'm getting the malt out of the way of the hops for a modern for a modern style pale, In a pale ale. ale. You're high, dude.
1: You're for high. A, modern, on a mixture of chemicals. For a modern
2: style <laughs> pale ale, I you know yeah the kind that you describe as a session IPA or a light you know uh, anyway. But yeah, and I can I can drink them both ways. Like a like a good classic pale ale. This is leaning more that way to me. I think that the Simcoe is poking out a little sharply and the Chinook maybe a little bit. Um, I like the cascade and, um, you know, the, the magnum for bittering,
3: but, well, that, that's a kind of a good, that's us interrupt you coop, but that you're, as we list out the hops, I mean, in 2023 for better or worse, some judges, I think especially less experienced judges, May kind of be looking for the new school, tropical, you know, whatever the the new hops of the 2020s. Uh and Simcoe and Chinook can be a little divisive. Not everyone enjoys Simcoe and/or Chinook, Chinook in particular. Uh, and maybe changing up your hop bill a little bit, maybe adding in like a newer school what's a hop that you might make an Idaho seven or something. Maybe you, you might personally enjoy uh, to give it a little bit of a, and a little bit more new school uh, uh, element to it. You don't have to replace everything or dial back everything, but that's just a thought. You know, if you're yeah. trying to appeal, you're trying to move up and score in competition that that could help. Simcoe still gets used a lot. And, it's yeah. way different from the early days
2: when it tasted like cat pee. It smelled like cat pee, but yeah. uh, Chinook is still, to me, pretty much the same. It comes across as like a grapefruity yeah. citrus and a resiny, piney aspect. Um, I a lot mostly, of people don't
3: like that piney aspect.
2: I like it in a richer, like a red uh, ale or a strong, you know, American strong ale yeah. or things like that, where it punches you and you get it up there and it's really gnarly and, and it has a good bite with that resiny, you know, grapefruity twist uh but here i don't know how many favors the chinook is doing the beer the the i might have missed one other hop in the early part magnum simcoe chinook and something
1: else um is that what you had jake magnum simcoe chinook and cascade and
3: cascade and the cascade yeah the cascade
1: keep keep all the cascade it's 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 great
3: yeah, yeah. I, I'm, lean, I'm leaning. I'm leaning. I I agree with Coop. Maybe just like taking out the Chinook altogether. You yeah, know, changing I, up your hop balance that that might that might help you out. Okay.
1: Yeah. And, go, ahead. And, uh, go ahead. I see what you mean, Jake. About um, I don't know this beer. This beer is like eighty. This beer is like ninety percent there. Yeah. And I I I, I can. Um, I can sympathize with, with that feeling of like sort of vibrating it. Like what can I, what else can I do? I'm right. I can feel, I know there's a solution to this puzzle. Yeah. And hopefully we're, and we're I, yeah, I was it.
2: originally a little bit higher too. And when Brian told me he'd scored it at 22, I was like, Oh, I better come down a couple points, but we're all right there on that. Like it's, it's very good to excellent, like 38 yeah. kind of territory. Uh, I could, I could give it a 38 and, and you know, I going to agree to a 38 with you guys now after talking about it a little bit more. Like
1: I would have no problem paying for this uh, twice. You yeah. me, me, me either. Can't, I
0: can. I can?
3: <laughs> what do you mean? Are you selling it?
0: The, the feds might a, have a little
3: issue with it.
2: Well, Just to get to sorry. a 48, you know, uh, it, it would, I don't know if your sample has been, has been hazy. Cause again, the transport was an issue. I'm not sure how much that may be. Whatever yeah. got stirred up in the sediment, maybe affecting the flavor of our samples too. Uh, but in a competition, you, you want it to be brilliant and shine. You want to find it, yeah. You do the biofine or whatever you need to do to get it to settle out and get, just drop brilliantly clear.
4: Yeah, I think mine is a little more clear than yours, but it's not perfect. I've had previous
2: yeah. areas go a little more clear. So,
1: but well, also, like in competition, what is that, one point?
2: I'll forgive a small amount of haze, too. You can have yeah, yeah. haze in I any
1: IPA or pale ale, yeah. but you don't want to get too crazy. So what do you think, Jake? What are you going to do?
4: Well, it's funny that you mentioned dropping the Chinook because this is the first version I've added it to. So, (laughs) Uh (laughs) Error. Because all the feedback I get is like, it's really good, up the bitterness. So I thought I was up in the bitterness, added Chinook and just more of everything, kind of. Um, So when you guys say up the bitterness, what do you mean? Do you mean back end? Like, um, you know. Like the more Magnum, more Bittering Hop, or to be clear, I don't
1: agree with this. That's true. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. Yeah. Well, I, I, this I is I you're, feel you're like, like, you're like um, Peck in Ghostbusters. You want to shut down the fucking containment grid. And I am fucking Egon going, you know, like this is a very bad idea. And you're like, shut it down. Shut it down now. Yeah.
3: Thanks to I mean, I'm here. Is this, this true? Is yes, right, yes, it's true. This, this, this man has, has no, no dick. dick. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. You know, I, um, I, I think, I think we were talking about it's like perceived bitterness. And that's where I was kind of thinking about backing off on the victory malks. I, I like that flavor that it brings to the malt, but I think it might be too much. And I think that that might be reducing the perceived bitterness of the beer from, from where it actually is. If that makes sense. Yeah, and I I think that's something you can attack from both ends. There is you want to have a good malt profile, and I don't think you should take out the victory at all. I, I just think back, backing backing it down to the same percent as the caramel will I think give you some complexity. And you know, victory is a great malt. I mean, it's not as strong as like a special B, where like you two percent is going to overwhelm the entire beer, right? But it is. It's it's strong enough. There's enough flavor the flavor contribution from that, that I think going from 4% to 2%, it'll still be really noticeable, but it's going to make it. it, It's going to reduce the perceived malt quite a bit, which gives the bitterness more room to express itself. If that makes sense.
1: It's times like these that I'm reminded of um, Colin Kaminsky years ago from the old downtown Joe's and uh, just Mm -hmm. a big brainiac, you know, dummy awesome dude but he had this thing where he would do it's a 100 grain recipe where <laughs> if you take if you take your beers yeah. you know your beer grains uh, uh totaling 100% right your 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 grain bill and then you take so if you had 50% you would take 50 grains of the base malt and if you have 2% it'd be 2 grains anyway get them all up to add up to 100% this is how you know out there this kid is and then you you take them all up and you put them in your mouth and you know you let them soak a little bit and then you start chewing them and then you turn them in, your mouth. you don't swallow, but you let the saliva in your mouth sort of convert some of these starches to sugars and you get a, a general approximation of, of your grain bill of how that will taste, you know, in the, in the mash, this might be like a cool thing, especially when we're talking about like two percentage points of grain of malt, this might be kind of an interesting thing to, to, to try that to get a bunch of you know a bunch of malt and then you know do these a couple piles of this 100 grain 100 grain recipe and it's like oh is cara is, is the Carapils pills and victory really doing anything can i take it up to 4% or do i pull it back to 2% or you know do whatever without having to brew multiple multiple batches mm-hmm. because i think everything else is fine i think like i said i think you're 90% there but i, I think we're talking about the 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 dialing in point yeah. which is what we want to be right, right. so I think you have everything there. I think we can all agree your fermentation is great. Everything is fine. Your packaging is fine. Everything's fine.
2: The water seems really good too. I, I think that the water yeah. is right. Okay. It's not yeah. too minerally. But it's not just too, these,
3: these yeah. things. I don't know. Try the, yeah, take t- 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 out the divisive hop that people don't like. I mean, not everyone likes Chinook. It's uh, I'd say it's, it's kind of like summit or some of the others. I mean, it's like, and like Cooper was saying, a lot of times it works out better in like a red or a darker beer. Uh, it can be a little overwhelming sometimes in a uh, in a lighter beer,
4: right? On. Would you substitute
3: Chinook or just take it out and not add anything else? I would substitute something else in. What I don't know. Maybe you you, you up everything. Well, maybe you up everything else. If you it's want to already keep it in it there
2: more, to um, yeah, you want to keep it more on the classic side. Do something like a Centennial in there. If you yeah. want to go a little more modern, maybe the Idaho 7, Brian mentioned, or a Mosaic or Citra. A mosaic, yeah. Uh, but yeah, you can play with that. Sometimes different hops play better with others. But uh, if you want to go a little more modern, the, the Citra Mosaic is what a lot of people are using these yeah. days. Yeah,
4: yeah. and I've like b- been deliberately not doing that, just yeah. trying to keep it old school, because that's what
2: I yeah. like. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, another interesting one is the, the O seven two seven O. it's like the, uh, I think they're calling it Altus now. Um, finally named it, <laughs> but, uh, that's, that's a little more on the like kind of dank side and not so much the tr- the new tropical, but it blends well with other hops too. um, yeah. play with some of that perhaps okay, seven cool. is fun, but yeah. it's interesting.
1: Not- so I'm on the Lagunitas page and I just Googled uh new dog town pale ale. Which is actually extra pale. I don't know who knows, man. Um, <laughs> they've changed it up so much. So right now it's new, new Dogtown extra pale ale, but it's a seven point five percent. So whatever that yeah. means. But they're uh, doing. They're using uh, Amarillo, Simcoe, and Mosaic, hmm. which I found interesting. I don't know. It's their. It's their like they call it disorderly house of brewing, which I guess is just the, maybe their one-offs. So I don't know. Hmm. So that's, yeah. that's interesting, but you know, I, I don't know. Here we go. Let's see. Dogtown Pale. I'm trying to figure it out because, uh, you know, I, I, I love it. And not that you're trying to go for that specifically, but we're, we're getting a lot of parallels. So maybe um, there's something there and there's nothing. They're not saying anything.
4: Yeah, that's a good uh, um, avenue to pursue. I'll check that out.
1: Yeah, check it out, man. I don't know. Whatever. Who cares? Who cares? <laughs> um,
0: anything else, out. Jake?
1: Uh, don't check it out whatever you want to do. Yeah, do it, don't. I don't fucking give a shit, dude. I don't know.
0: <laughs> I, I love your way, attitude. I'm gonna go to
1: bed. Yeah. yeah. New uh, P- Dogtown Pay 6.2%. Huh. Sure. Fucking hell, man. That is wild to me. Um anyway, sorry Jake, what uh, do you have anything else that you want to cover for these boys or uh, should you we know, let you go? I'm I'm
4: trying to figure out why Shar's first bottle was such shit. And I'm not sure because I use... <laughs> so is he. Uh, man, <laughs> I use new bottles, beer gun, you know, same process. It's really weird. So I'm glad yeah. that wasn't your lasting impression because...
3: No, and Jake, I, I apologize if it seemed like I was beating you up for that. Uh, I, yeah. I, It's really more, I mean, it's so many things can can happen. It's happened to all of us. It's really more of just a, a point I wanted to make for someone that might I mean, listen to the archives in five years who's wondering what a difference that can make and it could, the bo- bottle variation can make a gigantic difference. And for whatever reason, you know, sometimes it's just, you know, the, the smallest you can, you can do your best. And sometimes it happens. Right. And that's just, uh, I'm glad that I got the, uh, the third, the bottle that was 38 after I got the bottle that I thought was 22.
1: <laughs> yeah. Imagine if that was reversed. <laughs> um i found it so a new Dogtown town pale had magnum amarillo cascade and simcoe okay so that's interesting, interesting. That, i mean i mean you know it's all well, similar hops it's yeah really right close. so i don't similar. know I just find that uh I find that interesting yeah maybe that's my next
4: move i'll chuck some amarillo in there and see what it does hey yeah. I, I love that amarillo is, that a is a good
1: it's a great hop. hop i tell you at uh back at the rare barrel when those dudes were were around um the best beer I ever had was their Apricot Sour with uh, Amarillo. Oh, God. That's so good. That was dry so good. Hopped, dry Hop with Amarillo. Oh, my God. So good, dude! It was, I don't know. What about those two things? Actually, no, that's not true. They had the Dry Hop Sour with Amarillo, and I liked the Apricot one, too, so I had them blend the two for my wedding beer. That's when, that's, that's where it's coming from, and it was Oh god, yeah. Phenomenal. Yes. I kept trying to take it off tap because I wanted to save it so I could have something you know, when you get married, you gotta like, take the pictures and you gotta do the shit. You gotta do the- oh, and people god. kept putting it back on. It was gone. I never got a single fucking drop of it. Uh, uh, for, oh, for, for the wedding, right? But beforehand I did. Anyway, whatever. Jake, if that's it, man, we'll let you go. Yeah, that's it. Thanks very much. Right. I appreciate right. it. Thanks, brother. Thanks we'll we'll be for being on, Jake. Yeah, we'll do your pumpkin beer next month. Right on. Thanks. Cool. All right, man. And we're going to take a quick break, everyone. Hang on, it's Dr. Homebrew. We'll be right back with something, I don't know what.
0: Hello, fellow BNers. This is Sully from the 21st Amendment Brewery located in San Francisco, just two blocks from Giants Park. Before Nico and I opened the 21A and before I was a professional brewer, I homebrewed on my small four-burner apartment stove in a backhouse in Santa Monica, California, making my extract brews before graduating to the daunting idea of all-grain brewing. Homebrew books and information was hard to come by back then. The internet hadn't been invented yet, along with other things we take for granted today, like electricity and potable water. One thing I wish I had back then when I was learning was a radio show that could teach me the ins and outs of brewing and answer questions that I had about homebrewing, a resource for making great craft beer. The 21st Amendment Brewery is excited to be a proud sponsor of Dr. Homebrew, a great show that teaches you what you need to know about making incredible beer. Good stuff. Listen up, you might learn something. I certainly did. And thanks for your support. Tasty crack games. Now, back to the examination.
1: Thanks for joining us, everybody. Or thanks for sticking around, or whatever you're doing. I appreciate you doing the thing. We are going to chat a little bit. I, I gave the boys two of these beers that I picked up from the Twenty First Amendment, and it's not, you know, not meant to be a plug. Uh, but I thought they were interesting beers, and I like sharing different beers. Uh, one of them is Monk's Blood, course, which is the famous uh, beer that's made with real monk. That Sully's <laughs> been burning for a long time. This is a beer. Now, the reason I'm sharing this is number one. Um, It's a Belgian style dark ale, which we don't get a whole lot of. Right. And I think these are, you know, uh, Monk's blood I think was started when like Belgian style dark beers were sort of popular. When was that? 10 years ago or whatever, 15 years ago. It's like, that was the thing, right? Yeah. For about six months. Um, But this beer is good. And it was one of the only ones that I think endured commercially because it was so good. It was so well-balanced. I mean, these beers are hard to, to brew. I'm sure everyone listening has at least tried this one time. I know I have.
2: So you're going to work. Yeah. If we're going to order these, we're putting this ahead of the, the Kulsh with Mandarin orange though. <clears throat> nope. We're not.
1: I'm just pouring it. Um, <laughs> and um, yeah, so we're doing this and I bought monks blood at the two and a, like a month ago and they're selling like library mm-hmm. beers. Um, so this was brewed in 2019. Okay. Oh, wow. They'll taste really great. And so catch. thank you, Cooper, for reminding me. And then the, uh, the, um, the other beer I have is from their recent August Fest in 2023. So those of you who don't know, if you're not in the Bay Area, uh, 21st Amendment does a big festival in August. It's called August Fest. And so they brew beer every year. And this is a Kolsch with mandarin orange. And it's 4.8% kettle hops are Kelsing, which, is our, which are experimental hops. So I thought it might be fun. And first of all, I love the, the, the label. It's kind of fun. And um, yeah. So anyway, I thought it might be fun to, to just sort of taste through these. And we'll just, you know, kind of bullshit for the last five minutes of the show or whatever. Yeah. So what do you guys think we're doing the August fest? The August fest is bright. That, that Mandarin orange just
2: comes through right up front. It's, it almost smells like it's going to be a tart beer. Like it smells like a, oh is this is a kettle sour or something what do we have going yeah.
1: on you know what yeah it is it's very um it's very bright it it, it i don't want to say acidic but i, I guess i sort of mean it, it sort of s- tastes the way salty smells does that make yeah. sense
3: yeah i get like a wow sea foam that makes kind of perfect salty. sense
1: it does like, right it makes I, i'm okay. telling you i'm a fucking super taster like okay <laughs> i swear to god Nicole Ernie and I should just we're 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 redefining terms or something. I don't know, man. I I haven't tasted it yet, so I keep smelling
2: it. It's like I get that same thing. It's like a goza, and it's got that and you know
1: it's 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 sharp and bright enough where it's almost almost on the verge of being like mint chocolate chip kind of minty. You know when you Mm -hmm. like when you when you smell mint chocolate chip like out of the out of the pint or whatever, right? It's that cold. Plus the mint, you know, it's not just mint, but it's that sharpness from the cold in the mint. It's like on the on the borders of that. Not that it's minty by any means, but it's that same sort of tangent. I, I hear you.
2: So Kolsch is the base style here, and we've got an Kolsch is the base style. Yeah,
1: Kiesling. hop. Huh? Yeah, Keisling. Is that what I said? Yeah, Kiesling.
3: Never heard Keisling. Of... Yeah. That's mm-hmm. It's a German experimental hop. Huh? What do you guys think? And It's not, it's not tart, but it is, it, there is a
2: little acidity from the mandarin orange and the flavor. The flavor is totally different from the nose, but it's well-balanced, close with the mandarin orange flavor here.
1: What I like about it, <clears throat> and when, when at first I, I didn't, I'll be honest. So, Sully, if you're listening to this, I apologize. But at first I was like, oh, the mandarin orange must have faded out because I don't really taste it. But it tastes the same way it did when I had it last month. So I wonder if it's just a low level. And so for me, uh, I, I, don't, I don't think I, I get it a whole lot. I don't well, think I get a lot of mandarin to, orange.
2: It'd be easy to overpower a beer like a colch with a, a big mandarin orange. you just like, oh, it tastes like orange soda. Great. You know? Yeah. You don't take a balanced approach to blending your fruit with your beer. I you think, that, think big, that's it? I'm not a big fan of fruit beers, honestly, when a lot of them are just way out of balance. And this is a 4.8%
1: basis that you're working from here so I, I guess i'm used to like a hell or high mango or hell or high watermelon that has a lot of that yeah. flavor but it's not overpowering but i guess you're right it's that base beer where the the wheat beer has a lot of structure to support that where a kolsch doesn't by design right
2: well mm. i mean you can use wheat in a kolsch beer too but i wonder if there is any there is a certain graininess that you can still get through you know from the, the kolsch Malt you know, that comes through alongside that fruit, and it's it's kind of nice because you get both.
1: It tastes like I, a beer. I do enjoy it. Uh, mine is very cold, which I appreciate right now. But um, yeah, I I do I do like it, and there is that mandarin orange. I mean, I'm assuming it's mandarin orange. I don't. I couldn't tell you what a fucking mandarin orange smell uh, tastes like. I, I imagine what I think of mandarin orange is like a um, a sweeter, like a darker, sweeter citrus. That's kind kind of of, what I'm pulling out.
2: There's still a little bit of tartness. Like those little cups you get with the orange and the liquid that you, right? Oh yeah, Yeah. but it's all like sugar syrup because it all just
1: tastes the same anyway, except like the the, the grapes or whatever, maybe those tasted different, but everything else just sort of tastes like sugar syrup. Like pear. Yeah. Yeah. By the way, fucking pear.
3: Isn't isn't it like, pears are gross? Isn't a mandarin orange like what they call a cutie like at the grocery store, like what little kids like? Maybe, yeah. And I always kind of think of them no, like that. Those are clementines, and it's, I think. That's right. That's right. It's a clementine. Sorry, my bad.
1: It, you know, it's interesting. So I'm drinking out of this like really small water glass because you know me, I got to put things in a weird shaped glasses, not these like uh, you know ten ounce straight walled. And you know, off to the off to the side. So if I tilt it like I'm going to drink it, but it doesn't hit my lips. And this is weird, I know. But if I if I smell it that way, I get a ton of like. Orange peel aromatics that way. It's very odd, man. God, beer beer glass shape is so weird. I it used to be a thing where I thought it was just total bullshit, like fucking astrology. Like there's a guy <laughs> I saw that you, he can like he thinks he can tell people what sign they are just by looking at him uh. And this whole thing, he would be like 25 people and he was wrong every time. Uh. But it, 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 beer glass design was always like that. It was like astrology or tarot card reading. It's like I don't know. Maybe I'm right. Who fucking knows? But I think it really is a, a thing now because this definitely, I, when I drank this, I drank it out of a can the first time, first of all, but it's bad. Uh, but drinking it out of this glass, I get this. I get the mandarin orange much more than I did. Um, it is, a, it is a, um, a tart, citrusy, almost like a lime tartness. Or a lemony. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. In the aromatic. Yeah. And it really does work well with a Kolsch. I'm telling you, at first, I thought when I first had this, I was like, I think it's faded and whatever, but no, it's
2: cool. It cuts the culture a little bit with that acidity and then it just kind of plays alongside it. It's not bad. Not bad at all.
1: I like it. Okay. And as it warms up, it's kind of good too. This is cool. Yeah. I feel like I'm discovering it for the first time. Nice. I enjoy it
3: yeah I really like I like this beer a lot it's It's a lot more complex than you would think that I mean from the description it's like like you're saying earlier, oh, it's some orange and some coal. it's gonna orange will overwhelm the cold. there's not much to this. This is actually really a complex and interesting beer. I can see why they yes. served it in in August at a summer party, you know, oh my God,
1: so, dude, yeah, can you imagine this thing right. like uh would just be the thirst quenching machine, man yeah. I wonder how this uh, mandarin orange would be in a Mexican lager. I wonder Ooh, if it would work.
2: We need I bet it would. Show.
1: yeah. <laughs> I, dude, I, I'm telling you, I, I, can, I can get some of this mandarin orange that the seller uses, and we can, we can brew a Mexican lager again. I think it might clash a little bit. I don't know. I think I yeah. with a mandarin orange um, juice, I, I would think you would need a lighter a lighter bodied beer to go or else i think they would be cla- I, mean, I, I don't know i kind of want to talk to sully about how you brew this because there is a bitterness quality to it yeah and I, sure. you know do you adjust your bitterness in the kolsch to account for that or not how do you how do you r&d this if it wasn't so late you know, i would i would text him and call him
2: there's a touch of little little bite on the back end but that makes it yeah. play well it's nice
1: I really I, I like this beer. This might be one of my favorite two one a beers now. Okay, well yeah, it, it might be a one off and
2: you'll you'll never get it again. But
1: probably. Yeah. <laughs> um. All right. You want to hit the monk's blood real fast and then um and then we'll take off. Twenty nineteen monk's blood. Twenty nineteen monk's blood. Yeah, I was really surprised because I didn't know it was twenty nineteen until I got it home and I looked at the box. I was like, oh shit, this is some fucking library shit right now.
3: Brief pandemic. It's, it's can aged. Yeah, it is. Oh my God, it has no COVID anywhere possibly in that can. Belgian
1: style dark ale brewed with cinnamon, vanilla, oak chips, and dried figs. I remember, I believe this was a collab with Sean Paxton, if I remember correctly. Is that true? You guys remember that? I remember that. The dried figs somehow brought Paxton back into my mind. <laughs> now this beer, I I do like. I'm not a, the the biggest Belgian dark strong fan. It it's very much a a tasting beer, not a drinking beer for me. But monk's blood, I I like, and I thought it might be fun to try a what four year old, properly aged Belgian dark strong. Right. I mean, you know, it's not yeah. it's not left out. Uh, on the fucking shelf at BevMo or whatever. This is properly aged, you know, library stock in the walk-in at the 21st Amendment. doesn't go, it hasn't left anywhere. It's only no, no. The, it's only home has been the brewery that it was
0: born in,
3: right? Exactly. Well, right. The, cin- the cinnamon really stands out to me. And it, not excessively so, but it's, it, the cinnamon I think is pretty prominent. But then, yeah, that, that oak, that oak is really well integrated into uh, into the beer at this point it's it's present but it, it's not poking out yeah
1: it's it's very well molded I, I i would guess you would expect cinnamon to sort of fade out and be tannin sort of just like develop into tannins mm-hmm. um my first my first thought is oak oh, chips and you don't want chips you want cubes man come on chips are dumb but I wonder if there was that choice between chips and cubes and you go, well, cinnamon's going to age out. It's going to go tannic. So I wonder mm-hmm. if you don't put so much tannin in there.
3: Yeah, that's interesting. I, I, I like this a lot. Yeah, it's great. Cooper, what do you think? I like that the, the style
2: still comes through with everything else that's going on here, too. You, you do get uh, Belgian dark strong and it's not like a dark beer like a brown or black ale it's like this reddish you know kind of a beautiful reddish orange uh beer like on the coppery side of things but it's got a lot of color to it um you know maybe partially from all the things they're putting in
1: it with the cinnamon and the the figs and the you know all of that stuff yeah. but yeah um, it is a very nice light brown you know reddish amber kind of color all the elements
2: are blending well together it's got i mean it's got eight malts belgian candy sugar cinnamon vanilla bean dried local black mission figs and aged on oak so you know and it comes out of a can this it was blowing people's minds back in you know 2014 or whatever like right. wow you know. <laughs> yeah, right or, or yeah it's just it, it was something something very different
1: uh you know. It was very, it was very special because I, and I also think back then, you know, we're, we're, we're used to thinking of Belgian beers. They need to be corked and caged, man. That's how you do it. Right. And just because that's how the Europeans do it, that's how we have to brew it because that's the thing. And I think beers like this, um, specifically monks blood sort of changed that perception a little bit you know because like all corking and caging done is maybe like you can adjust a little bit of micro oxidation or whatever because you know the cork will still let some oxygen in and maybe you get some some from some flavor contribution from the cork i feel like maybe things can get corked a little bit yeah Um, it is you know it it is is sort of purish right
2: it is also on the much lighter side for the style so you know belgian dark strongs can range up to 12 percent They'll start yeah. at eight. This is eight, three. So it's definitely on the lighter side, but I like that it's, you know, it's approachable and you can, it's still very much a sipping beer, but, um, and I, I wouldn't, you know, go out and drink pint after pint of this either. It, no. it just wouldn't you work can't. that way. No, what, it,
1: yeah. what I would do is, you know, first of all, there's two things I would do. One, I would buy a, four, a six pack and share some with my friends, which I did. But also I would pull this out like at the end of a, of a, like, a tasting session. Just kind of as like a final final to like cap off the, the taster session. I would mm-hmm. also sort of like to 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 have this side by side with a bottled version corked and caged to see how yeah. it changed. I don't know. I'd be very yeah. curious. Yeah,
3: it, it, it's, it's a good point. And part of part of it's the oxidation. Part of it's also that the carbonation, right? The cork and cage is like a champagne, Like right? If it's supposed to be carbonated to a, a high level, you want to have the cork and cage. And a thick bottle to to retain that, but I don't know that Belgian dark strong has to be carbonated to that high of a level where you need the cork and cage for that right, but I, I, right. I, I think it is for this style, I think it is more of a presentation aspect for what people's expectations are, kind of like a cork and a bottle of wine as opposed to a screw top, which is slowly changing you know across the wine industry. Uh, As cork gets more expensive and and more rare, you're seeing screw tops and more, you know, and more medium end wines as opposed to just like the low end wines.
1: Yeah, well, screw tops, you know, hold back. I mean, that's why, if I remember correctly, I picked this up somewhere. I might be making it up. Who knows? But wax dipped, uh, uh, excuse me, foil sealed wine bottles and wax dip and whatever it's to it's to provide that oxygen barrier that a can would provide right. normally
0: because exactly. if you just have a
1: cork bleeding out it, it, it does bring in micro oxidation right but yeah. a screw cap will actually um it's actually better for your wine storage long term remember correctly than cork because you don't have the possibility of having Corosity. cork wine Cork, yeah flavor yeah. yeah just you have that bacteria or whatever's in that cork even though they're treated or whatever like synthetic corks are better you know there's a whole thing man it's a whole, well, a whole industry on that
2: yeah and and one of our our um our entrants was actually just asking about cans and the history of that a little bit or we we're talking about something else but um no, actually, he was, he was asking why they say like tasty crack cans on some of the early. Oh,
3: yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's right, that's right.
2: <laughs> and I'm like, I talked about the time when all you could do was you go into a, a brew store, you know, or a grocery store if they had craft beer. And you would instantly just like pass by all the cans and go to the bottled beer section because that's where you'd find where the good stuff started and the imports and the craft beers and the micro brews and all that would be in right. 12 ounce bottles or 22 ounce you know, singles. You know, twelve ounce six pack or twelve pack, and just always bottles because that differentiated craft brew from the other. But this came out actually in in two thousand nine, and at the time there were no you know sixteen ounce craft cans everywhere. It was just all again, like I said, just the bottles in the store. You just go in there. There, you know, um, Dale's Pale Ale was doing some stuff in cans. You could see, or you know, the Oscar Blues. But uh, they were doing, doing some cans, and they, they were one of the pioneers in that. And a can is actually a much better storage, me- you know, delivery mechanism for the beer compared to bottles, which can let in some light, let in some oxygen. And uh, right. yeah, you don't need right, to. Right, 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 right. Yeah. And it's more expensive. You, you're paying more for the packaging. And, and,
1: and- well, And especially here in the States where we can't reuse them. Yeah. We can't reuse the bottles. Yeah. They're not they're not thick enough or whatever the fucking reason is. You know, I've known the glass, you know, lobby, who knows. But, you know, in Europe you reuse the bottles all the time, right? Yeah. But here you can't do that. And so I think, you know, at least with cans you can recycle them. Yeah, I mean, bottles you can too, but you know whatever, who cares.
3: Europe is set up to to clean and refill the same bottles multiple times. And it's, and the, and culturally people will get like a case of bottles for a brewery. They'll bring them back to wherever they'll get refilled. You'll clean them refilled. People used to do that in America, like 60 years ago, but all in the U S they were never cleaned that well. So you'd have, nobody wanted to be the guy that went to the bar and got a bottle with a cigarette butt in the bottom of it, which would happen in the U S because we would half-ass our cleaning as opposed to like the Germans, because the Germans would never half-ass cleaning a bottle before refilling it. And no, I don't. I we
1: don't just think we allow them to. Yeah, after the, well, after no, the we, war ended, we we told them how to how to yeah.
3: live. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but mm. uh, I I just we just don't. That, that's our recycling is based on. We're just going to take everything, put it back together. Uh, we'll, we'll melt it down, make some new stuff, as opposed to the multiple clean refill reuse that they do in in europe so yeah that's just yeah. a different different process
1: i agree um but anyway i thought these would be good beers to to share with you guys what do you think good stuff i think this is fun because it holds up no, th- well. thanks
3: man yeah. and um uh, yeah. Th- yeah thank you for sharing this with your friends jb hey, this welcome. is
2: the the inspiration for this beer is the the liquid bread that the the monks would drink during fasting time that's what the tie-in is here with the, the monks' blood. There you go. Kind of reddish color to it and all that. It's a romantic, very romantic beer. And again, a good sipper uh, this time of year, especially as things are getting colder. It's fun to fun to taste something like this and sip a
1: little bit. And by colder, we mean 72, everybody, just in case. (laughs) We're in (laughs) California. Yeah. Um, Anyway, (laughs) Cooper, if people want to be on this show and send us homebrew like Jake did, how do they do that? Uh, you would email Brian Shar. Uh, oh wait, no. <laughs> uh, At Cross Pond at Law, that is private law firm. Uh,
2: yeah, no. Uh, brian at thebrewingnetwork.com and send us your Monk's Blood clone. Oh my God, that'd be great.
1: You Whatever know what? You he, here's the thing. If you guys want to brew a beer like this. Email Sean, email Sully at you know, fucking two and a or message him on Twitter, Instagram, or whatever. He's on Instagram a lot. So message him on Instagram and ask him for the recipe. I'm sure he'll give it to you. Brew it, send it to us. That would be cool, man. I would love that. I would actually really love. And if he doesn't give it to you, then call us and we'll and help out. Yeah, we'll go beat him up for
2: it. And be yeah, great. take him down Give, give us the
1: recipe, O'Sullivan. You know,
2: like where's the money, Lebowski? Yeah, where's the money, Lebowski?
1: <laughs> Give us
2: the recipe, Lebowski. And that rug really tied the room together.
1: Um, fuck, I was going to make a joke and I forgot what the fuck oh, it was. So who cares? Anyway. Oh, yeah. Um, Char, real fast, in 30 seconds, tell people what you do and how they can get a hold of you if they need you, if they need
3: your services. I write patent and trademark applications for people and I also handle administrative disputes for people uh with patents and trademarks. Patents cover inventions, trademarks cover branding. Uh I'm always happy to answer questions if you want to uh talk to me, you know, just ask a question. You know, it, initial consultation is always free, uh as they always the first one's always free. That's but, right, baby. Uh, that's uh, my website is CrossPondLaw, crosspondla uh, Got my contact information on there. And I'm always happy to talk with anybody about uh, uh, trademarks and patents. That's right.
1: And if you're lucky, you can get something like this of your own, which is a... Ooh patent, a uh, little packet with your name and your patent and whatever. It's hard to Ooh, see. Is that, is that, about. is
3: that your, is that your uh, covier's thing?
1: This is my Cuvier's patent thing, man. Oh, I, nice. Framed. Yeah, 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 yeah. Nice. There you go. You it's should. Fun. I thought it was a certificate, but then it's, it's actually a little booklet with a whole, the whole thing. Oh yeah. A whole drawing and like whatever. Wow. Man,
3: right. And you're lucky because cool. anymore, they, they, they e-grant them now. And, but the, by the end of this year, you'll only get a special PDF. You will not get the, you won't get that special booklet <laughs> anymore. So oh, exactly. Wow. That's you, uh, well, you you can get it, but you'll have to pay like an extra 20 bucks. So uh, it's it is up to you, but yeah, you'll yeah. get like, uh, they're trying to save money and save paper or whatever. So uh, sure. But yes, and you won't, but if you have extra $20, you can have that one. You can kind of move up and down your arm, like Vanna white and show that you've gotten uh, what you've gotten. That'll, that'll nice. be cool. Yeah. So, Brian,
2: if you get any real, really good jobs off of this uh, promo work that we're doing for you for free here, you got to buy us a really special beer. You just have to promise to do that.
3: I appreciate that. I I appreciate the free promo and the opportunity for the plug. And I will I will share a special beer with my friends if I get a uh, get get some work out of this. You know, what? I just realized
1: Uh, it should be fucking celebration season right now. It should be. It's mid-October. It should be out. out. What the fuck is going? I gotta, I gotta text Brian, uh, Byron, and see what's going on. I, got it. I had something.
3: actually read something about that like a month ago, and I'm like, okay, let's go, let me go to SierraNevada.com. I, I can feel it
1: in my bones. I feel the celebration is near. All right, well, we my, gotta my, go. yeah, my
2: birthday's on the 21st, and sometimes I don't get one until after my birthday, so that sucks. I don't man. know when it when it gets released, but that sucks um, for you. I know.
3: Celebration only available October to December. Well, it's October now. Let's go,
1: baby. I need some. All right, everybody. Exactly. Thanks a lot for tuning in. I appreciate it. And until uh, next time, we'll see.